I think people put so many things in between like them and their dreams or like what they really wish they were doing or working on or, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you just have to like let go a little bit. Hey guys, I'm Cindy Lufred and this is Slightly Spiritual. Are you curious about dipping your toe into the realm of spirituality, but not ready to drop thousands of dollars on crystals? Well, we're here for you. So grab your adult beverage of choice and join us for our unfiltered, soulful conversations with, of course, a healthy dose of curiosity, wine, and laughter. We believe in genuine human connections, and we're here to discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and of course, the odd around all things wellness, spiritual, and woo-woo. We aim to bring modern spirituality into your daily routines to help empower your life because, spoiler alert, we're all slightly spiritual. All right, welcome back to Slightly Spiritual. Today, Cindy and I are here for a solo episode. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hello. You're like, it me. Um, It me. Okay, so before we get started, so today we'll talk all about identity because it keeps coming up for us, like, repeatedly. But I started telling Cindy about the whole Hilaria Baldwin thing, and she has been like kind of off the grid doing a little social detox and had not heard about it yet. I just got done like literally crying because it was so hilarious, <laughs> unintended on the name. No, I know. Hilaria like, is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that this week after I like caught so long story short if you're listening to this and you haven't heard I'm sure you have um it came out like about a week ago that Alec Baldwin's life Hilaria Baldwin was I don't want to say like straight up faking her identity but like misrepresenting who she was like she was saying she was like from Spain like all this stuff and in reality she grew up in like four million dollar townhouse in Boston um And then this week, all these restaurants in Boston started coming out with the Hilaria special as a cocktail, and it's a cucumber margarita. And (laughs) I would just like love to be able to travel to Boston. Like if it was not COVID, I feel like we would be planning a trip there just to like go and try these cocktails. And oh, for sure, we'd be shooting there like a Friday through Sunday. And this is like a like number one, I love margaritas. Number two, I love cucumbers. Like you blend them together and then add some kind of like comedic, like reality TV link thing and like sign me up. It's a done deal. Yeah. So so good. Um maybe next week I'll make cucumber margaritas. Oh my God. It's so good. This whole thing is so good. Uh, we need to finish explaining what happened because there might be people like me who have also been off the grid, but also okay if you know exactly what we're talking about, but we feel like we should explain it for those that don't. The rest yeah, of it. Yeah, so basically after, well, so we don't know the exact timeline, right? Because it's not like she'd come out and she, like, she doesn't take an ownership over what she did, but so she grew up in Boston and she's made statements um, to like the media and like TV interviews, stuff like that, that she moved to the United States at 18 to go to NYU, which now we know like is not true. Um, She also like has, she grew up as like her English language was first. And she has said that 
you know, she's basically said the opposite and like confuses words on like TV, like all this stuff. And basically what people are saying, actually people magazine, there's a journalist. I, I don't know the name exactly, but I'll have to link it in the show notes on our website um, that came out and basically said like, there's a deeper issue here. And the deeper issue is that, you know, minorities and um, people that are looking or applying for citizenship or um, from these backgrounds, this, this can like number one, discredit them, but number two, it, it kind of trivializes their story, which isn't right. Like, especially with what's going on in the U S right now. Um, so I'll have to find that story and link it. So I just think there's a lot of funny talk about this, but also a lot of serious talk, which I guess is a, is a good thing in the end. Um, I don't know, but that's the long and the short of I mean, talk about having an identity crisis. <laughs> I know that's what we were saying. I'm like, uh, and then Cindy and I started talking about like where, like when people do this kind of stuff, like where does it stem from? Like how does it evolve into like, I think it was you that said like, does it start with like a white lie and then you just like take it on as your identity? Like, is it because you're insecure about yourself? Like it just is wild once you actually start thinking about it. Yeah, because I always go back to like the start of things, like how does something like this start, right? Like it's funny now on the back end of like looking back and be like, well, she said all this and trying to figure out to uncover the truth, right? But how does it start? Like what does someone, what goes through someone's head or lack thereof? Like what, what are they not thinking about the consequences of when they're, when something like this begins, right? I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. Well, because it's, it's so different like I think of a white lie right and it's like I don't know it's like I won't even like if you're my friend and you ask me if you if you should buy something if it looks good on you like I'm never gonna lie to you and be like oh it looks great if it doesn't look good do you know what I mean so I can't even count that as like a white lie for myself but I guess a white lie for me would be if I'm like at somebody's house and like I'm gluten and dairy free, but like they don't have anything for me. Like I might just be like, oh, I'm not hungry. Or like, do you know what I mean? But I would never be like, yeah, I'm like French, like a native from France. Like English is my <laughs> second language. Like I would never, like, I'm like, how does that thought even come across your head? Well, I was reading another article in my five minutes that I was researching this before we started, <laughs> which said that now her family, I guess, lives in Spain and has for quite some time, like over the past few years. So it's that whole thing of like, where's home, right? Like, so even though she was born in Boston and maybe grew up there, now her family's in Spain and that's where she travels. So I think some of that's where it came from, that she has family there now. And so she felt like she could claim, oh yeah, I'm Spanish or from Spain, right? Yeah. But that's not necessarily, you know, it's, a, it's that whole thing of, we all want to, identify ourselves as well where are you from where did you grow up what's your background uh -huh. what's your ancestry like right and we take on yeah. all these identities and share them with the world but it's like she was picking and choosing which ones to share and in which order right yeah. so that at least that's one of the articles I read so you know could also come out that that's not true but I believe that she has family over there now or did at one point so um yeah, yeah so it's just so interesting of like we place so much value right on where you're where we are all each from and how that defines us 
And then that's what we sort of lead with sometimes when we're meeting people, right? Like how many times the first question on a first date is like, oh, where are you from? Where do you live? Right? Yeah. Like, it's what one do you of the do? First things, what do you do? Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the first things on a first date or the first time you meet someone or the first time you interact with someone is where are you from? What did you, where did you grow up? What do you do? And so we place a lot of value on that in our culture. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's why I guess to tie it back into, like you said, what we're, what we originally intended on talking about today, yeah. <laughs> that is not hilarious, <laughs> um, was everything kind of around the identity we place on ourselves and the identities that other, other people place on us. And it's so interesting really taking a second to think about it because when you really get deep, like the deeply rooted identities we have, it's kind of like a mind meld moment of like, do we even get to pick our identities? Because you think about like literally from birth, like we're given a name, like we're given a certain set of values, a religion, like all based on our parents, our ancestors, like our lineage. It's like, no wonder people are confused when they can think for themselves because they've been taught one thing their whole life. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. It's also like not only from our families, but also like society, right? Like being conditioned to yeah. believe or have values in certain things um, as well. So we're getting it from everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Oh yeah, we are. Um, and I think so. Cindy and I had another, every month we try to host um, a slightly virtual like community basically get together um, on Zoom for the full moon. Um, it's always a really beautiful night, um, very joyful, very uplifting, where we all just come together and kind of hang out and talk about things that are coming up and get ready for the full moon together. And it's always really special. And um, on the last couple of Zooms and our last couple of IG Lives, we've had a lot of questions and topics around identity come up. And it's everything from chronic illness and Lyme disease to career to, you know, love life. Um, so we wanted to explore that a little bit deeper today. I'm excited. So, I am too. Um, and I love, Cindy, will you explain again the whole thing about like identity and math? Oh yeah. So I was looking up because I like to just do a little research for everybody where the word identity itself comes from, right? So it's a lot comes from Latin. Um, and the way we know it, the definition we know today is that identity is known as the characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is, which I think is pretty standard. That's how we all think of identity, right? But there's an alternative meaning that identity in mathematics means a transformation that leaves an object unchanged. Mm. And technically the word identity comes from the Latin and I'm gonna butcher the Latin saying, so please forgive me, but <laughs> Latin, I believe it's idem or edem and it's, I, it's spelled I-D-E-M. And that word in Latin means same, right? So identity is basically a like things being like. So it's talking about you know, you as a person are showing up 
as this thing. So it could be that you're, you know, Spanish or you're American or you identify you are the same as that other thing. That's where the word, that's why we take on that identity, right? And that's where it is also the characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is. So that's kind of the, I don't know if it's, I don't want to call it the background, but at least the history of the word and how it's been used traditionally today, like in yeah. our culture. And right. I wonder like which form of identity came first, like the literal mathematical version or the one that we have taken like for the English language. I don't know. That's a good question. It's listed third or second on the in the Webster online dictionary, but okay. I have a feeling that's not necessarily indicative of the order that it came about, but more the way that we most likely recognize it today. And most people, if someone mentions identity, they're going to think, oh, it's describing someone or what someone is, right? Yeah. Not the mathematical version of it. So. Yeah. Very interesting to know that other side of it. Um, that definitely ties in. Um, one of the things, you know, that I also wanted to talk about in relation to identity, I think it can go hand in hand with limiting beliefs, which I always hear you discuss, you and I personally discuss them a lot. And so in one of Cindy's most recent um, virtual events, she did this beautiful meditation um, and I was re-listening to it on Friday while I was meditating. And it was talking about, you know, limiting beliefs, things you want to let go. And she had said, you know, it was a journaling prompt and Cindy had said, take a second and think to yourself, I have to be blank in order to be blank. And it helps you figure out like those identities and those limiting beliefs that you have and you might not even realize. Yeah. And it could be things like, I think one of the ones that I've used in the past as an example is like, I have to be a certain weight in order to be loved. Right. Or I have to, uh, you know, make a certain amount of money before I can support someone financially or before I can have this thing that I want. Or, I mean, it could, you can go on and on. I have to be healed before I can uh, go back to work or be of value to my family financially, right? Like, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But yeah, I, I love that prompt because it, it's showing you maybe where you are limiting yourself and, and where there's room for expansion, right? Because typically that's going to bring up things that you want or that you want to have that you feel like you can't for whatever reason. And yeah. I always say, if it's something that you want, it's because you're meant to have it. So it's just simply, and I shouldn't say simply, but it's a, it's a process of looking at all the obstacles that you've created or the perceived obstacles that are in front of you in order to achieve that thing you want. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you said healing as an example, because that was one of the ones that I ultimately, because I actually struggled to come up with them simply because I am the type of person where if I want to do something for better or worse, I'm going to find a way to do it and do it successfully. Uh, would, but like one of the things that I came up with that was actually a really big one was, you know, I have to heal in order to like truly live and enjoy my life, which it, you know, it just, it's not true. I mean, yeah, I, I have my limitations because of my body and, you know, I never want to push myself to the point of like having a setback, but it was kind of that realization moment of like, 
no, I can do anything I want to do, even though I'm still healing, you know, like you don't have to wait, you can start doing it now. So I think it's a good, it's like you said, it's this simple sentence is a great place to start. If you like are almost paralyzed by starting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't think we spend a lot of time thinking about our identities maybe or maybe not thinking about them but maybe we don't realize all the ones we've picked up along the way right and yeah I always talk about that we're conditioned from a young age to collect identities to collect labels for ourselves you know like I'm championing this or I'm good at this or I again I'm from here I go to this school or this is my you know my I'm an alumni from here like we are just it is just constantly ingrained in us from a young age to collect these identities but we never talk about releasing them or at least I was never taught to release them yeah and I think um and we can get into this maybe after we discuss this part but uh, I have line brain and and I'll forget is I don't know what I was listening to you or no I don't I think it was something like a meditation I listened back to of yours maybe Cindy and it was about um identities and like it was it was something oriented that but something that I really struggle with as I've started to learn to re-identify myself past just someone who's sick right because I went from having my identity be my career as like a successful female entrepreneur to being like the sick girl and now like I kind of just do every like I do whatever I want and um if something interests me, like I touch upon it, but then when somebody says to me, like, oh, what do you do? Or like, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, let me tell you, but I do a podcast, I run a business, I do PR, I do influencer relations, I'm a philanthropist. Like, and then I started trying to think it was when I was redoing my Instagram bio, I was like, what the fuck am I? And then eventually I meditated on it and I was like, you know what? It sounds like overly simplified, but I'm like, the thing that it boils down to for me across everything I work on is just being a connector. And like connecting people to the right place at the right time or connecting with people, whether it benefits me or it benefits them. And I'm like, this is when I really realized like how deeply ingrained these societal identities are on us that like, if somebody asks you what you do or like what you identify as and you can't give them like a straight, like, oh, I'm a consultant or, oh, I'm a journalist or like, you're not of value. And in reality, it's not true. There's so many other ways that you can identify and, um, you know, be of great value to yourself and to others. Yeah. But I think that's also, uh, like I was saying in the beginning, what needs to be sort of shifted in our like societal conditioning is where we place value Mm -hmm. and on which identities and how come kindness or compassion or laughter or things like that aren't valued above what you do or where you're from right and I wonder how that started like I'd be curious to look back at the history of that and to see like where did that start because it's true like you can be it doesn't matter how much money you make or how successful you are or you know but like if you're a dick like I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to know you. Like if, if you're kind and compassionate and loving and thoughtful, then like, yeah, I want to be your friend. That's what I want to know about you. Right. Exactly. Why can't we make that part of the dating apps? 
Yeah, come on. Why isn't that a question we have to fill out on the dating apps? P.S. Everyone that's listening, I'm single, so I'm on the dating apps a lot. So you might hear me reference that. <laughs> but that should be something we, on the we, dating apps. If you know someone you want to set Cindy up with, we have many requirements, oh, but God. my requirements for them is that they enjoy wine. So, oh, yes, um, that's true. If we could chuck well. that bucket list item off, that would be really great for me. I don't know about you, Cindy, but it'd be great for me. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things, but yes, that would be great as well. Sure. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> the prerequisite yeah, is you must drink wine. Yes. <laughs> The Moresco family prerequisite. Poor Cindy. Well, all, and oh, also, God. yeah, and also my prerequisite: you have to drink wine. Probably not, <laughs> not every time I meet up with you, but yes, you have to be drinking wine. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, is you know, I'm not even gonna go further down this road because you're gonna. Yeah, I think we need to pivot. We need to pivot me. back to identity. Um. <laughs> we'll talk about that identity of being single, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it took me a while oh, yeah. that like our society places so much value on being in a relationship or in a partnership. Right. And it's like, God mm -hmm. forbid you are single and you're choosing that, whether it's through like a separation or a divorce or a breakup, or just that you are focusing on yourself or your career. Right. Like that mm -hmm. identity in itself is also carries a lot of weight and stigma with it. And like, makes you feel like undesirable it took me a long time to be able to like say that and be okay with it right it's just yeah. you know it's it's a lot we we uh we place a lot on these identities of how these characteristics of how you define yourself and what if it didn't have to be that way right like what if we didn't lead with all these list of things that we are or are not and yeah. just allowed things to be and I'm curious Cindy for you you know you have these types of conversations every single day all day with your clients so when you're talking to someone and you recognize that there's a limiting belief or like a limiting belief within an identity what's the what do you tell them to do to start working on releasing that I mean, I will say it is specific to each client in a way. However, typically, it, typically it's something that we work through in a session. So like, for example, I'll just give an example. I came up recently through a client uh, that I saw this client back in like I don't know, August or September or something. And she was trying to get pregnant. She'd been trying for years and wasn't working. Right. And I said to her, I was like, well, what, you know, why do you think it's not working? You know, what do you think's happening? And she goes, well, I was told by a doctor when I was like 18, that it was gonna be really hard for me to get pregnant and that I might never be able to have kids. And I was like, okay, well, and how do you feel about that now? She goes the same. I feel like I'm going to have a hard time getting pregnant and I might never have kids. And I said, well, if that's the belief you have, that's what the universe is going to mirror back. That's why you're having trouble. And I told her, I'm like, I bet no doctors have ever found anything physically wrong with you. Is that correct? And she was like, yeah, you're right. They can't find anything physically wrong. They've done testing. They've done, you know, ultrasounds, all this stuff. She goes, there's nothing wrong with me physically. And I said, this is a limiting belief that you have anchored into for whatever reason. At one point, it must have served you showing that it 
uh, either upheld something or made you feel more special or gave you more, I don't know, attention or something like that, but it's not working anymore. And I said to her, I'm like, you need to release this. It's time to let this go. And I gave her some journaling prompts, gave her some new mantras, which I know you work with a lot. Well, I do too, mm-hmm. but having a mantra of like, I am, de- my body is designed to conceive or um, pregnancy comes to me with ease or, you know, I'm, my body is able to carry a pregnancy or whatever it is, right? In this example, that's some of the ones I gave her. And I found out like, I think four months later or five months later, she took a pregnancy test and was pregnant and um, is now like, I don't know, in her first, through her first trimester, all from like a few months of um, shifting that belief, taking on a new one and, and creating mantras around reminding herself of the new things she wants to see in her life. Yeah. So and typically that's how it goes in a session is we're looking at something perhaps in your past or childhood or something you've heard reiterated over and over again of it's going to be hard or it's going to take a long time and then that ends up manifesting in your life and just bringing awareness to it can often be really powerful in starting to shift it yeah no I love that and I love how you said that um because taking that and having a mantra or some kind of you know daily easy daily practice that you do with yourself can be that reminder you need to break that identity that's no longer serving you And I think you can take it and apply it to so many different things, you know, not exclusively to um, just like an infertility belief or whatever, but for anyone listening, you can take that and apply it, you know, to your own individual limiting belief if you recognize what it is or you're willing to do the work to correct it. Because I think that that can also be part of the battle is like you get so comfortable with an identity or feel so safe within it that it can be almost like you have a resistance yourself of letting go, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Another, another big one that I see a lot in clients is the belief that something has to be hard or that it has, mm-hmm. you have to go through a big suffering in order to like justify having it or receiving it, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like, it's hard to meet someone or it takes a long time to get promoted or it's hard to get like where you're going in life or what your belief or your dreams that you want. And that just doesn't have to be, that's like an old identity and mentality that we've taken on since we were all born and maybe not everyone, but at least a lot of my clients. So that's another one. That's just, things don't have to be hard. Things can flow with ease and grace. Why does it have to be hard? And why do we place so much value on suffering in order to justify the, the end result, right? Why can't the process to it be, or the path to it be more joyful, be more exciting, like dating, right? Um, like I tell my clients who are single all the time, I'm like, well, if it's you're dreading going on dates, you're not gonna attract in anyone that's fun to be around because you're <laughs> dreading it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You have no. to shift your attitude of like, I just wanna go on a date and have fun. And then you're gonna start attracting people that are more fun, right? Yeah. So, simple things oh, yeah. like that are even very and helpful. What's also interesting about like identity limiting beliefs and things like that. And this is something I've heard, you know, you talk about Cindy, whether it's in like my personal sessions or in like group channelings is like trauma in the body. And I think um, these old like hurtful identities to ourselves can help kind of store that up in the body. And it's something we don't even realize that we're collecting and it's like holding us down. 
Yeah. So when I was speaking to that, I don't know when it was, but in one of our events that we did, um, what I have found in my work is that in our, our bodies are, are really good at remembering things, right? And not just our mind, but our physical body, right? You can mm-hmm. go into a space or even like, that's like muscle memory they talk about, right? Like a athlete who maybe like doesn't pick up a golf club or pick up a basketball to go play. They have muscle memory very quickly. If they've done it for decades or years before, if they try and get back into it, it, it your muscles remember things, right? Your body remembers things. So it can also remember the good things, but it can also remember the bad things that we maybe want to release or want to let go of. But the ultimately the physical body takes, I don't want to say direction, but permission from our mind and our spiritual and our emotional bodies and consciousness. So if there's something that's manifesting in your body physically, like a lot of times it's cancers or chronic disease or things like that, typically there's something in the mind or emotional or spiritual body of consciousness that is no longer serving that individual that needs to be released, but we're having trouble either identifying it or letting it go. So things will show up physically and be held in the body until we give it permission to release or until we take on a new form that we want to exist in the world as. So I'm getting a little woo on you guys, but... No, it makes sense. And I think it's like you always say, it doesn't mean, you know, you stop doing your treatments or stop seeing your doctor. It's just, it all works in conjunction with each other, with this synergy. And, um, you know, I can honestly say that when I started doing like the spiritual work that goes along with my, it's not, I can't even really call it traditional like medical work, but all this shit that I do is when like I started to really see a difference and it takes a long time. Like when you're in the thick of it, it can take a long time to like get to that point. So don't like, if you start trying to do this work and you're like, it's not clicking, it's not clicking. Don't give up. You just have to keep at it and get comfortable with it. And whether it's physical healing work, whether it's something around career, love or identity or trauma, like whatever it is, I think, um, you know, this can be applied to everything and utilized. And that's such a special thing. Yeah. And I see a lot of this with our, with um, my clients working through identities with their parents, not to blame mm-hmm. the parents, but the parents are very influential <laughs> in our life. And so, you know, people who perhaps are having trouble meeting someone or who are single will tell me, oh, I'm really close to my mom. Like she's my best friend, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, how is that identity of being single upholding that relationship with your mom, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens to her when you start to fully express yourself as you know you're meant to be, which is in a partnership, in a relationship with someone, how does that change your relationship with her? what happens? And perhaps the reason why you're attracting in men that are, you don't really want are because you're actually afraid of being the right person because you're afraid of losing that partnership or connection with your mom, your Mm -hmm. dad. Right. So that's where there's a lot of sometimes layers to this of, you know, what happens to you when I stop upholding your identities of me, like being your child or being your, you know, support system or the person that you depend on. Because if I step more fully into myself, what happens to you? And of course, many people care about the loved ones in their lives, right? But Mm -hmm. how is that serving? Maybe it's no longer serving you to uphold their view of you or their identity of you, right? 
And those are the, I don't know if this is something you can answer, but I'm curious, like when, and I think we discussed this um, in our third episode where we talked a little bit about friendship and how there's mm-hmm. been a lot of uncomfy feelings for people coming up in their friendships that like they've never noticed before. Or I think mm-hmm. this can be like the perfect example too can be people that start getting into spirituality and practicing and how um, it, I don't want to say like you outgrow your friends or, but like, if they're not, not to say that they have to get into it, but if, if they're not accepting of it or they don't believe in it, or you see the world so clearly now in a different way, it can be challenging to live in the same identity in the same relationships that you're in. So once you start to shift and change your identity and it no longer serves someone else, you know, I'd love to just be able to say that people would just be like, fuck it, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But relationships um, are obviously more delicate and more complex than that. And I know you've gone through it with your own spiritual journey. So how, like, do you have any thoughts or like things that you've picked up on about like once you start working through these identities and these limiting beliefs then how do you kind of like integrate I guess that in like a comfortable way into your life and in a comfortable or I guess maybe there is no comfortable way to integrate it into your relationships where you were like serving a certain identity for someone I hope that makes a little bit of sense yeah, and I was laughing at your word of comfortable and uncomfortable because I always joke about people being in their comfort zone with things and identities yeah. is one of them. And, you know, there's a whole big world to be experienced outside of our illusions of our comfort zone. And, and that goes for in friendships, partnerships, relationships, you know, you name it, yeah. right? So I don't know. There's a very comfortable way to do it. I think you get more used to it and more... I guess, like less resistance to people changing, including yourself and become more like in resonance with it, more at peace with it, right? But I used to joke that when I moved to Chicago every year, my friend group, like my core friend group sort of shifted. And yeah, I, but also like I, I completely changed as a person. I was working yeah. in a corporate nine to five. Well, it was like nine to 10 really, but uh, you know, <laughs> and then, like, you know, 12 hour day, you know, it was just like crazy and traveling 9% of the time to working for myself, entrepreneur in the spiritual world. Right. So of course my friend, and not necessarily saying that I'm not still friends with a lot of those people I was friends with in the beginning. It's just, it shifted a little bit. Right. Yeah where our schedules maybe weren't the same or logistically things weren't lining up, but it does, you will find as you're stepping more into your truth, your identity, whether it's around relationships, how you're showing up in the world, spirituality, work, even um, that it might not be in alignment or resonance with a friend or with a partner. And then you get to make the choice. You have the freedom of free will and choice to decide, is this someone that you want to continue putting energy and effort towards? Or do you want to free up that energy and be able to invite in new, new opportunities and new friendships and new relationships, right? So it, it is uncomfortable. And I don't know if there's a comfortable way to do it, but if someone has the answers, please 
write it in the comments or let us know, (laughs) let us know. But that's what I found in my work. And it's gotten, I've gotten much easier with it as time has gone on. Um, But I also think it can be, I always tell my clients this, it's actually can be a good sign when you maybe notice that some of your friends aren't resonating with you or that it's just, you're not like experiencing as much I don't know, value in the relationship because it means you're changing and growing and we're meant to change and grow and expand, right? And yes, there are going to be people who are going to change and grow and expand right along with you. And you're going to have best friends for life or people you've known almost your whole life that you're still really close with. That is absolutely going to happen and can happen. But inevitably, there'll probably be some people that it doesn't work that way with. And that's okay, right? That's less judging around that, I think too. Again, a society thing of like, you have to be friends forever. You can't ever change mm-hmm. your friend group. You know, I think that's another conditioning from the world. Yeah. At large. Oh yeah. Well, it reminds me of the people that, and like my parents live in the city now. So I personally don't experience this, but it reminds me of like the stories you hear of people going back to like their hometowns for like Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or holidays or whatever. And like going out for like a beer or and then and they see like their full high school class and they're like why did you leave you know what I mean uh-huh. yep like that type of thing exactly like, well. <laughs> yeah yep yep and know that in some way shape or form if someone's being triggered by the decisions that you're making it's because on some level it's stirring up something in themselves that they haven't healed or haven't acknowledged yeah so you get to lovingly just set boundaries around that and let them figure it out for themselves you don't have to subject yourself to that type of energy all the time yeah no that I'm happy you said that and I want to go back to for a second like doing the work on evolving out of these identities that are living or that are limiting us um, because it's something that takes constant work and I like you know that from experience like I know this from experience like I still have um like for sure leftover I I don't know if I'd necessarily call it like trauma but for sure like leftover emotions from when I stopped working the first time um when I got sick and now that I'm like back to work like if somebody says something a certain way or like does something a certain way I like sometimes will like revert revert back to my reaction like that I would have had years ago that took me like I've done years of you know inner work and like work with a psychologist like all the things and I have to remind myself sometimes when I revert back to like those same kind of reactions that I'm like it doesn't have to repeat the same pattern that it once did do you know what I mean and like Mm -hmm. I also have to cut myself some slack sometimes around like reverting back to those reactions I'm like well just means you have like more inner work to do around this you know there's obviously like a reason why and I would like to think that it's helping me grow to be a better a better person a better more well-rounded Alex but well and I'm curious I have a question the reactions that you're having I'm guessing it's to people or persons are those people uh individuals that you knew prior to getting sick or are they people that you've met after getting sick and diagnosed and also like going back to work you know the second time do that do you understand no, what I'm saying? it's yes no it's um you know when I did PR the first time I did like very traditional PR for a lot of um 
large clients, but also a lot of reality TV stars. And we like to joke that like re- the the least sought after reality TV stars think that they're the biggest celebrities. <laughs> And they, not Chris Jones. Chris Jones is my best friend. I will just call him out by name. Never a pain in the ass. Like literally the I was going to say, you realize everyone's, everyone's going to Google um, now your name and like who your clients were before since you said no, that. No, <laughs> there was somebody I worked with um, that actually was very close with an A-list celebrity that is still an A-list celebrity to this day. But this woman that worked with her was I like literally insane, fat, shit, crazy. And, um, I had a horrible experience, horrible experience. And, um, yeah, so honestly, I think it like stems back from like that. And like, literally I kid you not, Cindy, um, I had to take, once I like realized, like finally came to terms with like how sick I was and that I really needed to take time just to like work on healing, I literally put my phone away for months, my computer, my phone. And um, eventually, like years later, when I started working with a psychologist after my friend passed away, we also (laughs) unpacked my reactions like around work and like getting certain texts or emails or calls. And like, I really did a lot of work to work through it. And I very recently had like a very stressful um work situation pop up and I'm like with somebody new like never somebody somebody I knew before getting sick but I find myself for the first time in like years slipping back into like old reactions and I have to like put everything away and like remind myself that history does not have to repeat itself just because something is challenging and it's hard sometimes to remind yourself of that yeah. And I guess the reason I was asking that is because if it was new or old people, so it sounds like it's like even people who didn't know you previously, like in your other like career life, we'll call it, um, that are triggering this. Yeah. What I was going to say is that, um, regard, I guess it doesn't really matter regardless of who it is, but especially since it's new, it, it can often indicate, especially when we drop into old, I'll call it a coping mechanism, right? That's what I would like to call it for you. It's like yeah. what we used to cope with the stress or with the people around you before you drop Megan sent. Now it's, how is that serving you? Right? Like that was keeping you yeah. protected. That was a way of you setting up a boundary. And so how can you come up with a new boundary that feels more in resonance with who you are today versus reverting to an old boundary? So I would say that you don't have a new no, I shouldn't say you don't have a new boundary. I would say that your new, maybe your new boundary isn't fully <laughs> integrated. Let's just say it's not fully integrated. It's not your go-to, right? Because I'm sure you have lots of ways yeah. of setting boundaries. You're very good about that with work, especially. So I would just say that the new way might not be fully integrated, which is why you're falling back into old coping mechanisms because it's, it's serving a purpose of keeping you safe and setting a boundary, right? So yeah. just as an example, and that will happen with my clients a lot too, which is how is this old identity or this way of reacting in your life serving you? Typically it's about keeping you safe, protected or setting a boundary. And sometimes it's an unhealthy way, not only for yourself, but for the other person, because that's just the only way you knew how. So a lot of the work that you've been doing, it sounds like with your therapist and also that I do with my clients is what's a new way to show up. What's a new coping mechanism to bring with you into those situations and anchoring that in where it's, it's the go-to versus 
the previous one, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's so. funny you say, you know, I know what you do is well, you're not a psychologist, sometimes it feels like you are. Oh, yeah. Disclaimer, um, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. Disclaimer, um, disclaimer. However, it comes up in work well, all the time. Because I literally, with my psychologist, I don't remember what it was. It was not in relation to this specific situation, but we are talking about something and she's like, I always like to ask when you have a certain behavior, it is linked to keeping yourself safe and like, what is the root? It might've actually been at the beginning of the pandemic when I started having really horrible panic attacks and I had never had panic attacks before. And she likes to kind of like crack open what is like the root of it basically. Like what is your mm -hmm. body trying to do to keep you safe mm -hmm. and like figuring out that root cause and then like building out, like all, like you said, alternative coping mechanisms to whatever right. that is that's not damaging to yourself. Exactly. So, yeah, that exactly. makes total sense. Total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same in, I found in, again, friendships. I found it in work. I found it with parents. Again, back to the parent, parentals, parents, um, partners, kids, even, you know, all of that. It's what is it triggering? How are you not feeling safe or protected that you can choose a different like reality or a different existence? Right. So, yeah. And I, just want to reframe just one thing just for the people listening, which is, and I have to work on this myself. Well, I'm literally saying it. Oh my God. I'm literally doing it. So we talk about things being work again, or like we have to keep working on things, which then makes it seem hard. And like I was saying, I think in our society, we have this stigma of like, things have to be hard. Everything has to be hard and work, working on ourselves, working on our identities has to be hard. At least that's how I equate the two. So I would love to I'm working on it myself, shifting to awareness or how can you, I know I keep saying work. I'm like, I got to come up with a different word. Um, but just knowing it doesn't have to be hard, right? It doesn't have to be work. It can be just an awareness. It can be a resonance. It doesn't have to be so much resistance to it. It can be a smoother, gentler process. Yeah, no, I love how you're, I love how you're reframing that. And, um, but clearly I'm still working on it myself. <laughs> no, I get it. I using that word. No, I totally understand. Unfortunately, I don't think there is like an adequate word to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, True. Other than like almost describing it as work. So I understand, you know, why you keep referring it to it that way. And um, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be hard. There doesn't have to be resistance. Um, but you know, if it doesn't, and I know I said this before, but like, if it doesn't click on the first try, like keep giving it a go, you know, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong or, um, you know, you should give up. But I, I think we all have the, if we want to deep down, I think that's the key. You have to want it for yourself to like release the identities or limiting beliefs. Then I, I think you're more than capable. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I would also just like to we probably need a whole other episode on this in the future but I would also just like to uh, acknowledge or just give a heads up to anyone that has or owns a pet right or pets mm. plural 
noticing how they show up in the world because oftentimes they are mirrors for us and the things internally for us that we perhaps are not aware of yet or need to shift. And our pets and animals will pick up on that for us and also show up in a similar way or and or mirror back to us, something that is looking to be shifted. I shouldn't say needs to be shifted, but perhaps is looking to be shifted. So any of you that have pets, dogs, cats, horses, I don't know, birds, all out things. There, all birds. things. Maybe not birds. Frogs. Frogs. Yes, frogs. You know, how are they? <laughs> I don't know about frogs either, but how are they showing up in the world? And and you know, if you're noticing things in them, know that they take their cue from you. You know, I would even use kids too, especially infants, babies that are very impressionable. If you're noticing mm -hmm. their anxiety or their energy or things like that, how are you feeling? Right. Cause they're going to take yeah. their cues from you. So, uh, just something else too, if you're really struggling and you're like, I don't know where to begin and don't have therapists and don't have a medium to go to, you know, things that you can also look to at your pets or your children for clues, mirrors, things like that back to you of, again, identities or limiting beliefs or belief systems in your energy field that are asking to be revealed and released. Yeah. Releasing but we could do a whole episode seems on like, pets. Oh, oh my God. I think we should. We should. We'll, we'll table that for another so long. Um, my friend Lauren, after our zoom when we were I don't know what we were talking about but she texted me and I don't know what you had said she was like oh my god my she has two little dogs she's like they will stare and bark at nothing and she's like I swear to god they are staring and barking at she had um another one of she had a third dog that passed away and I was like oh. they probably are honestly yeah. they probably are <laughs> totally yeah animals are much more sensitive to energy and spirit than I'd say we are, or at least than, than we are consciously aware of. They're very in tune yeah. to that. I know. That's why whenever like Scout looks up and is just staring at nothing, I'm like, stop it. Like, stop, stop it right now. You're scared. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'm like, go to sleep, go to sleep. Aww. Uh, but long story short, if you are debating doing this inner work or there's something that you've been debating doing and you have limiting beliefs holding your back, holding back, this is your sign to do whatever the fuck you want because you can. <laughs> so that's honestly, Cindy, even when I, when we started doing this, I had friends reach out to me. They're like, I'm so impressed by you. Like, I just don't know, like, how do you have the confidence to do this stuff? And I'm like, cause I think it's interesting because yeah. I want to talk about it, which means other yeah. people probably want to talk about it. <laughs> Like I think people put so many things in between like them and their dreams or like what they really wish they were doing or working on or, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you just have to like, let go a little bit. <laughs> oh, I mean, that was so eloquently said that people put so many things between themselves and their dreams. I mean, truer words have never yeah. been said. That is so true. And I see myself doing my own life and I see it in clients and I just think that's part of why I feel so fulfilled in my work is I just want to help everybody to release and remove that resistance that's in front of them, right? Whether yeah. it's real or perceived or projected, it's, it's, it's time to like, let that shit go yeah. and yeah, actually step more into the things that you want. 
instead of spinning yeah. your wheels doing something you don't want. Right? Totally. And I think if you don't know, like, there's never a bad way or the wrong time to like ask for help, whether it's from someone that you know and love and trust, or whether it's somebody like you, Cindy, or like Lauren, the modern astrologer. Like, I'm the perfect example, right? Like, yes, I, I'm lucky enough that I do whatever I want, I have the capability to do whatever I want. I try a lot of different things, like whatever makes me happy and what I feel drawn to is what I'm going to do. But I also, I get lost sometimes. And that's when I come see you and you look at me and you're like, you're asking your guides to send you a sign and you don't even know what you want. And I'm like, holy shit, I don't know what I want. Or, you know, I book an appointment like tomorrow. I, God bless Lauren, the modern astrologer. She's seeing me tomorrow and I'm going to sit down and be like, all right, tell me what's in the stars tell me what I need to do. And then, but I actually listen and I like, I do it. you know. <laughs> so there's yeah. nothing wrong with like getting help from someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I always say at the end of the day, it's all just information. It's things that you can take or leave based on what feels in resonance, but it also doesn't give you permission to just like ignore all the things that feel hard or feel like work that you don't want to do. Right. Like you're really good about yeah. owning your own, you know, like mistakes or shortcomings or things that you haven't fully stepped into in your power and be like, I don't know this yet, but I'm trying. Like that is yeah. the right attitude to take moving into this, any type of spiritual work or inner work, but you can't just like spiritually bypass it either and be like, oh, I did that. It's fine. Or I'm not going to no. do that. I can do it anyways. Like there's no shortcuts. Oh my there's God. No shortcuts. Certainly I wish there not. were, believe me. <laughs> oh my God. I wish there were too. No, I, um, there's I, no shortcuts. Um, no, definitely not in spiritual work, but doesn't mean you can't get some help from, from your friends. Um, yeah. And I think it's always good to get, like, I love, especially when people come see me, especially for the first time, you know, it's so validating to hear a complete stranger, like talk about the yeah. things that are going on in your life. Or even if I don't have all the solutions in one session, because sometimes it takes a couple to get to the root cause of something and then to release it. But just hearing someone be able to so eloquently describe what's going on in your life. So, you know, you're not crazy is like mm -hmm. so healing sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Somebody with, especially if there's something you feel like you've been feeling, but you, you can't quite like place why. And then it's always like you or Lauren or for other things like my psychologist that are like oh well x y or z and I'm like oh well duh you know what I mean like mm -hmm. then it all clicks together and I'm like oh that makes so much sense <laughs> yeah yeah well especially too if you're just not if they're just starting but if you're you know beginning in the stages of this again like we talked about earlier your friendships or your relationships might not be expanded enough to be able to have these types of conversations or be able to discuss you might not feel comfortable enough yet discussing some of these topics and so yeah it is helpful to seek like an outside person or quote-unquote expert to help you with that stuff so yeah um well before I ask you if there's any like insights or channel messages that you want to share is there anything you feel like we missed discussing revolving around identity I think we covered it I think I think the biggest thing and I'll just reiterate it again is you know, if you're wanting some journaling topics on this for yourself, a good place to start is, you know, I must do blank in order to have blank. That's a great one. And then also, you know, what happens to me if so-and-so or someone else expresses themselves fully 
and vice versa. What happens to you or the other person in your life when, when you, when I step into my top powerfully, you know, things like that are great places to start with just journaling and just seeing what comes out. Um, and yeah, I think that just knowing that this is a process, that it is something I was talking to a client recently, this is something that's been ingrained in our culture for centuries, if not, you know, I don't know, our entire existence of you are this and that and and these certain this things are a value and others are not. So just know that you're probably going to feel some resistance in releasing some of the identities that are no longer serving you. And even some of the unwanted ones, like perhaps a trauma or a traumatic event or, um, you know, an emotional event or experience like a death of someone or some uh, pet in your life or something that, you know, those are going to take a little bit of time to, to gently express and release themselves. So it doesn't need to happen overnight. And I also think giving yourself some time and grace with it is something that we need to allow and more talking about it for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, always. And that's why we have these tough conversations on slightly spiritual and we don't steer away from challenging, uncomfortable topics, because the more that things like this are talked about openly, the more people are going to feel like it's okay, you know, to tackle them and work through them and, and not just go with what they've been taught, you know, as the status quo. Oh, I'm so excited for everyone. Also, I feel like this is a great topic for the new year, right? Like in January yes. for, and maybe you've already set your intentions for the years or your new year's resolutions, whatever, but I would totally encourage you to look back at some of these journaling prompts or questions and see if there's anything else you want to add to your intentions for 2021. Cause I think this is a great time to kind of set this all in motion, seeing as it's a new year. Oh yeah. Fresh start. Yeah. Oh, technically it's not the the astrological new year is Lauren would say, but you know, it's it's funny. I was just thinking that like, what would Lauren say? (laughs) Well, cause honestly I meant to post that, but she posted that and I was like, Oh, that may just give me so much more permission because I don't feel like anything shifted over the past few days. Like this new year, quote unquote, like doesn't feel that different for me. I'm like, I feel the same today as I did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and probably the last six months. And I'm just like, oh, and I was kind of getting down on myself. And then I was like, wait, it's not even like the technical astrological new year, which is how most of my life is, I don't want to say aligns with, but it does. So yeah. Did you feel any kind of shift though? I feel like for me, it was the week before the eclipse in December that it felt like it shifted. Like I personally have never had a big connection with the new year. Like I've never... I've really set um, like resolutions or like, cause I just think it's unrealistic and then it like leaves us for like a letdown. <laughs> so yes, I never set agreed. New Year's resolutions, but I don't know what it was the week before the eclipse. I just felt like such a pull to start like going and I, you know, you and I have, you always go inward, but I've done a lot of like an inner work through this whole pandemic as like, I hope we all are and like should be doing but it was the week of the eclipse for me like I feel no different this week I feel no different you know after 
New Year's, like New Year's Eve, whatever. But like the week of the eclipse, I don't know what it was, but something just completely shifted for me. Yeah, I mean, the eclipses are big portals, big areas of opportunity for growth. And we're also, thanks to not only the eclipse, but the equinox, the or not equinox, oh my God, I'm so sorry, the winter solstice that happened on the 21st of December. Yeah. That was literally like a reset point for not only okay. like collectively, astrologically, but also just in that it was in a solstice event. Um, that those are big portals of energy where yes, I would, I'm not surprised that you felt more during those weeks than you do this week, because there's not a lot happening like big time astrologically right now, but those few weeks, there were huge events and changes and shifts happening. So, um, yeah, not surprised. Yeah. Those are big portals of energy, big portals for like manifesting. Like, I mean, this is ridiculous, but like literally yesterday I was, and I can't, sometimes I'm like, am I making this stuff up or did I manifest it? I thought it, <laughs> but like yesterday I was putting this, like, this is, I live in an older apartment in Chicago and the windows like suck for lack of a better term. And you can literally <laughs> feel the cold air blowing in them. They are shut, whatever you don't, it doesn't oh, matter. No. So I put this like plastic seal on it, um, to help insulate them. And yesterday I was doing it and I got through like three windows and I was like, you know, I'm like, I don't know. It would really suck if my hairdryer broke. Cause you take a hairdryer to like make it like film and stick and whatever. It's like a whole process. And oh. then literally on the last window, my hairdryer broke. <laughs> oh no. I'm like, did I manifest that? Meaning like I thought it and then it happened or was I picking up on a future thing and then it was going to happen anyways. And so like, I intuitively was picking up on it and I just, and then I was like, well, I don't know. I just got really annoyed. And now I had, how do you know? Actually. Is there any way for you to know? I don't, I, well that, I don't know. I mean, now I, I want to know. Well, I will say that like, this is where I was going with this, by the way. So taking it back to the solstice, the winter solstice, <laughs> which is literally, it is like a zero point, like anything is possible reality center, like yeah. moment in time where you can think it and it can happen like that it, it, it that mm. is the energy that we're in and so that's been happening to me a lot like just just minor like I scraped the crap out of the side of my car recently I think I talked about this on one of the other episodes but yeah. I it sat in my car and I was like okay I'm gonna set the intention that this is either easy to fix or it's not gonna cost me a lot of money or somebody I can find someone just to like do it for me on the side I don't need to go to the dealership it's gonna be fine and I looked at the side of my car I mean like it was halfway scrap I was like oh my god this is I don't even know so I went walked away whatever asked someone the guys in the garage to look at it see if they could buff it out swear to god they buffed it out and I paid them 20 bucks and I was like <laughs> manifested it I manifested it yeah right? like so it's been happening a lot where like, literally you can think it, set the intention and then it's, it shows up in your life. Now I've removed a lot of resistance over the years to allowing that in. So it might not be yeah. like that, quite that easy for everyone, but please know that like this energy we're in this portal is very, very potent. strong and powerful and potent. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why I probably broke the hairdryer. It was probably me that thought it and <laughs> I broke no. it. It's fine. <laughs> Lesson learned, focus on the things you want, not the things you don't want. Seriously, <laughs> I tell myself that every day. Jeez mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Louise. All yeah, right, so. well, I'm glad we finally got to discuss this. And yeah, I'm excited because we have a great episode um, coming up where we chat with Tori Piskin. And it's so funny because it ends up kind of turning into like, Tori and I interviewing Cindy about manifesting. So I think it's going to be a great episode. And then 
we are hoping to follow it up um, with a solo episode asked like answering more technical questions um, around manifesting. So that is yet to come in the next month or so, but I'm very excited for the next um, couple episodes. Thanks. It's going to be great. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and getting slightly spiritual with us. Um, We absolutely adore this community. It's been such a great outlet for us. And of course, as always, I have to ask you for all of the typical podcasty stuff. So if you enjoy Slightly Spiritual, please help us get in front of other people that are trying to become slightly spiritual by leaving a review or a quick five-star review hopefully on iTunes and um, we will see you next time you guys. Bye. Bye.